So we're looking forward to that nine-week series across all three campuses. Um, it's going to be really good fun opening up God's Word and hopefully, more than fun, challenging. Um, can I be, um, maybe share something that uh, maybe is a slight overshare this morning, but in the name of uh, vulnerability and transparency, um, I picked up an injury in the last little bit, and so I've had to go to the biokineticist, and um, just in the spirit of vulnerability and transparency, I need to let you know this morning that my glutes are on fire. Um, and uh, on Friday when I went there, I got, um, I felt like I, I'd, I'd been taken to the shooting range and somebody was just having a full go at my glutes. Um, in fact, for the next 24 hours, I felt like my glutes went to a dance rave party um, because they were just beating at a... Um, rate of knots that I've uh, never experienced before, and so I may not be running around the stage, which may actually be quite a, um, uh, appealing to some of you that I'm standing still today, um, but the physio, oh, sorry, the bio that um, I normally go to is in Italy. Uh, his name's Justin. Many of you know him. He comes to church here, and um, so his colleague um, was the biokineticist that was helping me on Friday, and so I was sending Justin messages back and forth, and I said to him after I went to uh, Matt, I said, Justin, come on, just hit me where it hurts. Tell me the truth. Like, how, how good or how bad is it? And he messaged me back to say, Cole, um, your, uh, your whole back is very, very weak. And uh, so then I messaged him back. I said, actually, take back the honesty. Um, just tell me how good I am and how awesome it is. And, and he, I, I messaged and said, look, it's not very nice of you telling me that I'm very, very weak. That's not something you like to hear from anybody. And um, he messaged back and said something along the lines of, very nice isn't going to help you, truth is. Um, and so I hope in the spirit of my experience to um, shoot your glutes um, for the next 45 minutes. We won't even be 45 minutes. We'll be 30 minutes today. But I pray that your glutes, the, soul, the, the glutes of your soul, feel like they've been at a firing range after today, and I pray that for the rest of the week it feels like you're at a dance party, um, because God has done some shaking on the inside of you. Let me read just three verses um, that we're going to unpack today from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 to 3. It's going to come up on the screen, uh, and it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, it goes on to say, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. I'm hoping that these three verses will penetrate your soul this morning and cause you to be seriously challenged. I hope you're ready for a challenging word. Would you mind if we just pray for a moment? Father, thank you. Thank you for the time of worship together. Now I pray, God, that even as we sung that old song, that your light would shine and that, Father, your glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I pray, God, that your church would arise. And I pray we would not look to the left or the right today, but Holy Spirit, like a sharp sword, like an arrow to our hearts today, God, I pray that you would speak and that you would shake us on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So the passage starts, arise and shine, for your light has come. A very clear instruction from Jesus. Arise and shine. God is not mincing his words. 
In fact, instruction would be a, perhaps a gentle way to say it. Perhaps it may be more than just an instruction. Perhaps a command from God to his church. Church, arise and shine. We must, in these times, arise and shine. Maybe a better, more palatable or uh, 21st century way to say a rise and shine is to say it like this. Stand up and stand out. Stand up and stand out. Stand up and stand out. Get up and glow for you millennials. <laughs> Other day I like to see these guys. They're like, no, she's just glowing up. I'm like, man, I can't keep up with you, Oaks. But anyways, get up and glow up, millennials. Stand up and stand out for the rest of us. And for those that want the old school text, arise and shine. And church, if there's an instruction here, if there's an instruction that's needed, which there is, then there can be an assumption that for some of us, if not many of us, that we have not arisen, that we are not shining bright, that we have not stood up and stood out, that for some of us, for some of you today, there is an instruction to God to stand up and stand out because perhaps you are sitting down and you are silent. And God is shaking his church to say that I need you to arise and shine. Arise and shine, church. Now, the instruction needs context. Why is God asking us to arise and shine? And the passage explains it to us. But the passage starts like this. Arise and shine, for your light has come. For your light has come. The light is Jesus. But let's just give some context to what this light has done. And the way that we'll get context for that is looking at the verse that precedes us in Isaiah 59, verse 20. And it says this in Isaiah 59, verse 20. It says, the Redeemer, which is Jesus, which is the light. So the light, who is Jesus, has come to bring redemption. Redemption means that God rescues us, okay? So the Redeemer has come to Zion. And those who turn from their tra transgressions. Transgressions basically speaks about our sin, our evil nature, our carnal nature. So why would we arise and shine? We arise and shine because our light has come. Who's the light? It's Jesus. What has Jesus come to do? He's come to redeem you and me. He's come to rescue you and me from what? From our sin, from our transgression, from our selfish nature, from our evil nature. If any of you think you don't need saving, you're in trouble. And the redemption deserves a response. The redemption the rescue of God, the redemption of Christ deserves a response. And the response is what? That you and I would arise and shine because your light has come. So my question to you today, get ready to have your glutes shot at, is how have you responded to the redeeming and rescuing power of Jesus? Now, although I don't want you to shout out, I don't want that question to just move on past. I want to ask you again, church, how have you personally responded to the rescuing and redeeming power of Jesus? What have you given in return? Here is the church, the church globally, but ours too. Here is the church's weakest link. Those who confess Christ and then do nothing for him. That is our weakest link. Those who know 
that they were redeemed, that they were rescued, and sit week in, week out, doing nothing for Jesus. So I ask you the question again. How, friend, have you responded to the redeeming power of Jesus? What have you given in response to the rescuing power of God? Two very clear instructions to the church, to followers of Jesus, to you and I, and that is this. Arise and shine. Stand up and stand out. Now, some of us think that's God's, like that's God's deal. Like, God, you must arise and shine. Like, isn't that your job? Like, isn't that why I serve you, God, or you serve me? Come on, God. Now, I know none of us would flick our fingers at God, but the way in which our spirit or our soul relates to God, it's like, come on, God, you need to arise and shine. I got some problems. You know what God responds? Friend, he responds, I too have some problems. And I'll show you in verse two what my problems are, which is why I need you to arise and shine. And my problems are this, in verse two, behold, it starts off with, and the word behold means this, to take note, to stop to perceive and to take note. It says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. So God's like, I need you to arise and shine. Why? Not just because your light has come. Not just because you've been redeemed. Not just because of your gratitude for the rescuing power of Jesus, but because you live in a deep, dark world. And I love the imagery that God gives us here. He doesn't just say the world is dark. He says that deep darkness covers people. Listen what, how, uh, I think it's 2 Timothy begins to describe, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. I think Adele might have read it last week. Listen how it describes people and evil and darkness. And many of us, as we read this, we will look and go like, these are the times. This is not projecting on future times. This is what we live in right now, today. It says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty, perhaps times of darkness. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Now, friend, when I look around, I feel like all of that is happening. I feel like we're living in these, this would have been written, saying, in the last days. We're in the last days. When I read this, I see darkness like this. The days are Dark. Now, let me just say this. You know the one group of people on the planet that have no excuse, like you cannot be shocked by the days that we live in, nor can you complain by the days that we live in, is the church of Jesus Christ. Because we got the scriptures that tell us it's going to be dark, and so, so we can't be shocked, but we also can't complain, because we're the answer to the darkness. Who are you? Who are you mad at? Who are you angry at? Who are you upset at other than the church? The church needs to arise and shine. 
When light happens, darkness flees. So we cannot be angry or upset. In fact, I think we I've seen the church go wrong at times, in my opinion, is that we get all angry and judgmental at the darkness. Like, look how dark everything is. It's so bad. And people are so evil. I don't think that's what God's saying here. Friends, I think there's a great grievance on God's heart, a brokenness for humanity. He says, you know what, the world is so dark, but I... That's what the passage says in verse 2. It says that darkness will cover the whole earth. And then he makes a second statement that says, and deep darkness over people. My prized possessions, my dearly loved ones, they're going to be confused. And they're going to be broken. And they're going to make grave errors. Why? Because they can't even see their hand in front of their face. Church, arise and shine, for your light has come. It's not the government. It's not the institute. It's us. We are the only hope. We are the only answer for humanity, which is why God says the church needs to arise and shine. And as long as you and I are in our sleepy hollows with our dim lights on, the world is getting darker and darker and more debauched and destroyed. Now, I want to show you something that perhaps you've seen before. But in verse 2, the second part of verse 2, there's something, there's, there's something quite spectacular that goes on, something that I believe is, is really powerful. And it says this. Now, remember, we've read verse 1. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and uh, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So, so God says, you've got to get up because of everything Jesus has done. Then he, then he paints a picture to say, Behold, there is darkness everywhere. Darkness covers people. And then he says this, But... Second part of verse 2, but, you can pop it up on the screen. It says, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Here's the point. When you arise, he arises. When you stand up, he stands up. Do you know what many, many of us get into a habit of doing is go, where is God? God, if you could just move in our school system. God, if you could just do this in my workplace. God, if you could just do this in my family. And God goes, when you arise, I arise. When you stand up, I stand up. Do you know that there is glory that is being withheld because you and I are not standing up? Stand up, speak up, stand out. In fact, Every time you and I rise and shine, it attracts and draws and compels not just his attention. So it doesn't just get his attention. Look at what the second part of that verse is. It says, but the Lord will arise, so it gets his attention. He stands up, and it says, and his glory will be seen upon you. The glory of God is literally the manifest presence of God, meaning people will look at your life, and they will see Jesus. They will experience heaven. They will see the presence of God all over you. Imagine church, everywhere you and I went, the manifest presence of God, the glory of Jesus rested so heavily upon us because we chose on a daily basis to arise and shine. And everywhere where you and I went, we carried the presence of God. Do you know what happens in the presence of God? 
Freedom happens in the presence of God. Healing happens in the presence of God. Joy happens in the presence of God. Hope rises in the presence of God. Peace is distilled in the presence of God. Salvation happens in the presence of God. You arise and shine. And God begins to arise and shine and His glory rests upon you. Listen what it goes on to say. Verse 3 says this. The Gentiles, the Gentiles speak about those who are lost, unbelieving, not yet saved, not yet in the family of God. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings, speaking about those who are in rulership, authority, influential figures, those, you know those areas that we feel like are lost and gone? You know those mountains that feel like have been captured by the enemy, like the media and the creative department and the education department? You know those areas that we feel like are long gone? God says, I'll bring those very institutions, the kings, the authorities, the rulerships. And when we were looking, we go, oh my gosh, social media, Hollywood. God's like, I'll bring them to Jesus. I'll bring them home. How am I going to do that? When the church of Jesus Christ decides to arise and shine. Because the glory, the light, will bring Gentiles, will bring kings. And notice what it says here in verse 3. It says, the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Arise and shine. Stand up. Stand out. This passage in Isaiah 60 predicts not just the enlargement of the church. It predicts a revival. We should not be afraid or disturbed by how dark things are getting. We know they're going to get dark. It's time to rise, church. More darkness, more revival on the horizon. But the church needs to rise and shine. So, I guess the question is begged to be asked, certainly by me, I'm sure by you. Why are we not seeing this revival? Because the days are dark. I believe God is waking up His church, but I do have to say that I think globally there is a church that is a sleeping giant. The enemy has deceived you and I and the church into believing or has deceived us into this lull, into this passivity, into this lethargy and apathy, this kind of lump of lard that the church can look like rather than this light on the hill. And I think that Christians and the church are hitting the snooze button on the alarm that is going off. And it's time to stop hitting the alarm button, church. It's time to wake up. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and shine and take their place. Some of us, have hidden our lights like the scriptures speak about. We put them under a bowl. Like our reputation and the fear of man has persuaded us rather than to stand up and stand out, we will sit down and be silent. I don't know if you've ever had somebody drive up with um, up Fields Hill and they got their, they got their headlights on, their, their brights on. And it's like, it's so overwhelming that you're like, can you just turn 
You just turn your lights off. And I think that we've let the world tell us to put our lights on to dim. Sometimes lights are harsh and overpowering. But we're like, conservatively, I wonder what everybody will think. And so let's just put our lights on to dim. Let's see if we can have just enough light on here to be known as a Christian, but no effectiveness in the power and the authority that Jesus has given us. When was the last time somebody asked you to turn down your lights? Some of us only turn on our light here at church. We're like, look at me. I'm a Christian. I'm a sing to Jesus my three songs of worship and listen to the word. We got our light on for two hours in a place where it really doesn't matter and it really doesn't count and it really makes no difference. And if the church really only arises and shines in our holy huddles on a Sunday for two hours, we have a big problem. Trying to decide what to call this sermon. I think we ended up going with the rise and shine on social media, but what I really wanted to call it without giving away where I wanted to go today is that I, I wanted to call it, the church has a big problem. Then I thought, actually, what I'll call it is, the church has load shedding level 10. <laughs> Funny title. Absolutely tragic outworking of that title. You and I know what it means to be in darkness. How frustrating it is. How little you can actually do in this world. I imagine heaven looking at the church and going, how are they on load shedding level 10? How are they only putting on their lights on a Sunday for two hours? How come that's the only time the world knows there's light? When I, I imagine heaven going, I've given them all power and authority. And I've asked them to do a job. And the job is, let your light so shine before all men. You know what we're doing? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine for two hours on a Sunday where it doesn't really count. And maybe I've got a home group and I feel like it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Church, it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and shine every day, unashamedly, for the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. When was the last time that you were persecuted potentially for your faith? Let me say it like this. If at church is the most churchy you ever are, then you are not the church God envisioned. If your philosophy is that you come to church you will never be the church. We, the church, gather on a Sunday for a service in order to be equipped and go and fulfill the purpose of the church, and that is to arise and shine on darkness. We should be creating havoc for hell. 
there should be an onslaught of heaven on hell. Everywhere hell tries to show up, light should shut it down. It's, it's insane to think that darkness cannot prevail if the light just shows up. And it isn't us doing this. God, you need to rise and shine. He looks back on humanity, you and I, the church, and he says, you need to rise and shine. You need to stand up. You need to stand out. Don't sleep on this church. You realize if you lie down for long enough, you run the risk of dying. And I really felt this so strongly. I, I felt throughout this line down, some of you have sent the call of God to bed in order to build your career. And God is saying today, arise and shine. Some of you know God is calling you to stand up. Some of you know God, and I'm not meaning you go into full-time ministry. I'm just meaning that there is a loud roar on the inside of your soul that you are somehow put to bed so that you can pursue other things. God, I'll pick that up later. God says, arise and shine. Pick up your call that you put one side. Those whispers that God once spoke to you about, that revivalist that's on the inside of you, that calling of God that's asked you to be a voice, that calling of God that's asked you to stand up and be different and be set apart and be the light, do not put that thing to bed. Do not sleep on this, church. The alarm of heaven is going on and we cannot hit the snooze button. We must arise. We must shine in this time. And so, I think many of us are asking, what does that look like? How do we arise and shine? And to be fair, friends, you need to read the Bible from beginning to end to truly know how to arise and shine. But because Isaiah 60 lends itself to this revival of seeing lost people saved, people coming home, about Gentiles returning, about kings returning, about people, about God's, it speaks about the wealth of God, but God's wealth is always, it's not money, rands, and it's people, people coming from all over, north, south, because Isaiah 60 lends itself to this radical revival of God's people, I'm going to use a passage to speak about Arise and Shine to wrap this up today from Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. It's known as the Great Commission. Your Great Commission. My Great Commission. The church's Great Commission. And as Christine Kane says it, it's not the Great Suggestion. Some of us are like, yeah, 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 yeah. We should. No, no, friends, it's not a Great Suggestion. I mean, it is a Great Suggestion, but it's not a suggestion at all. It's the Great Commission. You and I, we must move past this church Many of us have heard a come to Jesus gospel, which is true. But once we've come to Jesus, we have to go and be Jesus. We have to go and show the world who Jesus is. Either we take this thing seriously, either it is true, and then it deserves our whole life, or it's not. And what are you doing here? Honestly, total waste of time. Pack your bags and leave. But if it's true, then it demands a response. The redemption of God demands a response to rise and shine. And so Mark chapter 16, verse 15 starts like this. It says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. See, the gospel is about come, but it absolutely is about go. Go into all the world and preach the good news 
to everyone. And so, church, my question to you, keep, I'm just going to continue to shoot your glutes this morning. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Oh, no, 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 that's for Sundays. Oh, no, that's for the pastor or the preacher. That's for the Alpha course. Okay, friend, go back to bed. No problem. The Great Commission tells you and me to share the gospel with everyone. Everyone needs the gospel to be shared. When was the last time you and I, as the church, were mobilized and went out of here? If we did, the 300 plus the 300 online plus the 200 tonight, the 700 of us, if we asked Jesus for an opportunity to share the gospel this week, 700 people in our community have the possibility to have their darkness that covers them deeply removed and have salvation into their heart. What an opportunity this week. Arise and shine, church, because it's not the church service's responsibility, it's the church's responsibility. The glory is upon you. It goes on to say this in verse 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. What a promise from God. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Verse 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. Cast out demons, speaking in tongues, speaking in new languages. Some of you are like, woo, woo-ha, Colin. That, that's, that's like higher grade Christianity. That's like for the chosen frozen, the holy elite, the priest and the pope. No, friend, that is your great commission. That's what you have to do. That is what God has asked you to do. What does it look like to arise and shine? It means casting out demons. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, how would I ever do that? I tell you what, when you begin to arise and shine and ask God on a daily basis for His glory and His presence, He'll show you how to do it. But imagine walking around. I need to stop saying the word imagine. We must walk around on a daily basis knowing that we have been charged by heaven to walk around and help people get set free of addiction and pain and fear and anxiety, and everything that grips this world. We need to walk around as agents of change. Arise and shine, church. The verse goes on, and it says this. It says, They will be able to hold or handle snakes with safety, and they will drink anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When was the last time you prayed for somebody with conviction in your heart that they'll be healed? I'm challenged. I'm speaking to me. I've recognized where I have not risen. I recognize where I'm not shining bright. I'm a, I'm a believer in uh, doctors and medicine and surgeries, but I am a bigger believer in the miraculous power of Jesus Christ that can heal and set you free. When was the last time the world, you, you can't go a week without hearing 
about somebody who's struggling with anxiety or depression or who's suicidal. You can't go a week in our world without hearing somebody who's lost their job or who needs financial breakthrough. You can't go a week without hearing somebody who is in some way terminally ill with cancer or struggling with some kind of tumor. And we have this opportunity on a daily basis to rise and shine. And you know what we say? I'm really sorry to hear that. Have you been able to see a doctor? What about jumping in the car and saying, it's my time to shine. I, I know this is so strange for you, friend. I know you don't yet know Jesus. I know church may have messed you up, but would you mind if I just pop across there and pray a prayer? I believe that Jesus has asked me to pray and people will be set free. Chains will come off people. There'll be healings and signs and wonders and miraculous moves of God when the church begins to arise and shine. Anybody else want to get in on this game? Anybody else want to be charged by heaven? Come on, church. You can't sleep on this. We can't sleep on this. And to be honest, as I end today's thought, I know the fear of man is definitely something, and I know lethargy and apathy is definitely something, but I think the biggest problem for the church is that we've somehow bought into a worldview of the gospel instead of a biblical view. And because we've done that, there is no urgency, there is no compelling, there is no Spirit of God churning on the inside, causing conviction, saying we have to arise and shine. Let me explain it like this. I've drawn it in two circles. The first circle is a worldview. It'll pop up on the screen. You can pop, oh, there it is behind us, thank you. It's got me in the middle, which is why we think God needs to arise and shine on me. Then it's got others around. It's like, God, I'll get to you, but I just need to make sure that this isn't going to offend or upset others. Because what happens if they maybe think that this is a little strange or weird? You know, they may think it's strange and weird until their cancer's gone. They may think that it's a little odd until God heals them of their depression and their anxiety and they're able to sleep that night. But we've subscribed to this. Me at the center. Jesus is going to look after me. God's going to help me. God, we, we actually think this, that, that we are at the center of God's story. And friend, I want to shatter that bubble today. If mom and dad have cutely looked after you and put this like cotton wool around you and told you so, you're so precious, I, I know God loves you and you're precious. Okay, just, just stay with me for a moment. God is at the center. God is, let's put the biblical view up of, of, of how it should be. This is how it is. It's God at the center. So when he says arise, shine, it actually doesn't matter how others think about you. We must get this. Because if we don't get this, we'll wake up and ask God to bless what we're doing. But God says, why don't you get up and do what I'm already blessing, how I'm already moving. The agenda and the plan that I already have for today. We get up with our to-do list and ask God to bless that. God says, I also got a to-do list. You'd be a great blessing if you would just arise and shine and do my work. See, it's, it's easy. Go back to the world. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to stay in bed. It's easy to hit the snooze button when you're in the middle. Because you can justify it by going, but it's fine because God loves me. 
friend, he loves you, but not more than he loves your neighbor. And if by the kindness of Jesus, he has saved you before your neighbor, well, friend, I don't know how else to say it, but you best get on your bicycle and start doing the things of God. We have to put God back in the center. Then we have to put others before ourselves and then us last. And you know what? Because of this worldview, we think last sucks. God's going to forget about me. Friend, when you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, which means all the right standing that he's placed you in, which means it's all the others that God has asked you to serve and minister to and bless. When you do that, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. You and I are so busy trying to keep ourselves at the center, thinking the center blesses us, thinking the center is what takes care of us. But if we put God at the center and we serve others and we arise and shine as the church, and I really hope that your glutes are dancing like at a rave party right now, and you realize I need to wake up. I need to arise and shine for my light has come. His name is Jesus. He has redeemed me from my transgressions. And there is darkness that covers the earth and deep darkness that covers the people. And it grieves the heart of God. It's not about the church standing in our holy huddles getting judgmental about how dark it is. It's about us introspectively looking in and saying the only judgment that needs to stand is on the house of God who needs to stand up, rise up, so that darkness shall not prevail. And so the Gentiles and the kings will come to your light and come to your rising. Amen? Amen. Can we pray this morning? Would you mind closing your eyes? I want to pray two prayers. The first is a prayer for anyone who finds themselves maybe online or in the room, who going, you know, I called to be honest. I don't know Jesus. I know the establishment of church. I know the religion of Christianity, but I don't personally know Jesus. Friend, the reason Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on a cross, took your sin and shame, nailed it once and for all, and rose again was so that you and him could have relationship, that he could redeem you of your transgressions. And so with everybody's eyes closed, I'd love to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to come home. So with everybody's eyes closed, we don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to give you an opportunity to respond. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, that's good, but it says you need to confess with your mouth. And so with everybody's eyes closed, we give you opportunity to pray. All I'm going to ask in a moment is you raise your hand, pop it straight back down, and then we're all going to pray together. We're not going to call you to the front to embarrass you, but if you're here today and you know you need to pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now, right where you are. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. I saw at least one hand. There might have been more. Why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, today I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on a cross, for taking all my sin and all my shame and nailing it to the cross once and for all. 
All right, you can keep your eyes closed. Second prayer today. We're going to sing a song in a moment. But second prayer today is if you're going, my goodness, my glutes have taken a good shot from heaven. And I know that I need to rise and shine. I know I've been snoozing on this. And you just want to acknowledge that today. To say, God, you got my attention and I commit to arise and shine. Then I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand right where you are. I just believe there's something powerful about responding. About saying, God, that's it. I'm not walking out of this sermon just with my ears tickled. I am the church of Jesus Christ and I will arise and I will shine. Father, you see every hand raised. And God, I thank you for your glory and your presence and your goodness to rattle us on the inside and for us to see and for our hearts to be broken like yours are, God, with compassion for those who are in deep darkness. And so, God, we just say again, we surrender our lives to you. We commit our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen.